When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading the podcast. This is the Manchester Football Social with Steve. Hello. And Dave. You'll see me later. Well, well listen to me later. Because Dave doesn't turn up for the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Pops up, what, 40 minutes in? Yeah, like we're wasting my time, aren't I, really? <laughs> Should have turned up. Right, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back after the podcast. But for now, enjoy the show and make sure you subscribe. Manchester Football Social. This is the Manchester Football Social. The fights have been fought, the smoke has cleared, the balls have been kicked and it's time to talk football for the next hour. This is your show, so have your say on your football team. The way to do that is to give us a call on 0345 111 if you're listening live or you can text as well. 87711 is the way to get in contact and tell us what you want to talk about on today's show. You can't moan that we haven't talked about a certain topic if you don't want to get involved. Of course, if you can listen on the podcast as well, you can search Manchester Football Social wherever you find your podcasts to listen to this as an on-demand show. As always, we're talking red and blue and we've got one representative from each half of the city with me in the studio today. For the Blues, we've got Steve McInerney. Evening, Steve. How you doing, Jim? You alright? I'm very good. What's on your agenda for this evening? Raheem Sterling, and whether he's player of the year contender, because in my opinion he is, but I want to know what everyone else thinks as well, if they listen, so get ringing in, because I want to know if people think he'd actually walk away with a trophy. He's impressive this season, and not just because he scored a hat-trick at the weekend, he's had a great season so yep. far as well. Your views on that, eight double seven double one. And for the Reds, we've got our very own Statman Dave. Evening, Dave. <laughs> Dave... Uh, no, no. You know what? Ironically, he's not turned up like United at the weekend, did he? Oh, way. <laughs> no, way. He's out. Oh. Dave is currently on his way into traffic. the Manchester studios at the moment. Yeah, stuck in traffic or something like that. So you will have his views <laughs> very, very soon. I'll tell you what I want to know about. I want to know, know about Pep we could, Guardiola. You can say what we want about him. Well, we could. <laughs> Although this is as a radio show and as a podcast, you might find out at some point. I want to talk about Pep Guardiola, and I'm sure. Yeah. You've talked about this at length on your social media channels over the last few days. I it was late on Friday, it broke. Some rumours suggesting Guardiola was going to go off to Juventus at the end of the season. Yeah. was going to abandon Manchester City, largely because of the accusations around FFP and the transfer embargo that may or may not happen as well. So I want to talk about that a little bit later. Your views as to whether Pep Guardiola will be around at the end of the season. 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five. That is the number to call. And I know, I was talking to Dave earlier, the one thing he wanted to talk about today is Manchester United and their potential transfers yeah. over the summer. And we could talk to you about this first, Steve. And Go if on. you want to get involved, 0345 treble one seventy six twenty five. I'd love your views on this this evening. But Manchester United obviously need to strengthen in the summer. They don't want to repeat of the season they've had this season, next season. And Gary Neville was saying over the weekend that he thinks the key places that United need to strengthen are in those centre-back positions yeah. and in the right-back position. So looking at it almost from an objective point of view, do you think that is it as far as United are concerned? Are they the only places that they need to strengthen if they're going to challenge for the championship next year? 
I mean, there's definitely no harm in uh, strengthening up defensively. The weird thing for me on the centre-back thing is that they've got um, you know, Eric Bailly and Lindelof there, and they've recently, I think I'm right, extended Smalling and Jones. So you've got basically two centre-backs uh, who've recently extended. You've got four centre-backs, they're pretty senior. So someone essentially will have to go if uh, if United are to bring in another centre-back. And then right-back as well, well, they've got the young ladders, obviously, but they haven't really got great depth in that position. You're mm. seeing people like, you know, actually young kind of stepping at right-back. I think Dave's arrived, by the way, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's here. Um, <laughs> Um, but essentially, um, uh, in terms of transfers, a right back wouldn't be a bad bat for United. Delo obviously looks really promising. As Dave will probably say <laughs> he's not good. He's legged it. You can tell. Um, but Delo looks good. Uh, maybe someone more senior. I saw some rumours from people from United fans suggesting that maybe Raphael could come back from Leon, which would be really right. interesting. It's the kind of signing uh, potentially if that happened because it might be on a free in the summer that would obviously allow a bit more experience uh, to see Delo over uh, until he's more senior in general. Uh, for centre backs, though, I I just wouldn't know who they would sell because they'd have to sell someone. Uh, you well, know. this is it, and they're just extended. Chris, yeah. Chris Jones and Chris Jones, Chris, Chris Jones. <laughs> and oh, Phil I'm Smalling. Doing, I'm doing a uh, Louis Van Gaal, aren't I? <laughs> Michael Jones, uh, Phil Jones, and Chris Smalling have just signed extensions of their contract. Yeah. I mean, that's an indication they're staying around, isn't it? And surely Lindelof and Bay are the best two options from that foursome. Yeah. So, I mean, can you see them selling either of them? I think there might be some movement with the centre halves. I think Gary Neville said today, you know, you yeah. need two centre centre backs and what a right back. So it will be interesting in the summer to consider what United could do. Koulibaly's the one that's been linked. Mateus De Lit is the other one that's been, you know, thrown around, be two fantastic signings and that's what United would need is a quality quality centre half. I think it'd be quite strange. It'll be maybe a little bit like Mourinho too, Solskjaer, how you you know, you've got one manager that's really changing Man United right now and that's what a centre-back could do in a way a real good one you think Vidic you think Ferdinand if they win this team instantly upgrade the team I think that's the quality Victor Lindelof was it was interesting at the weekend he had a you know he's had a wonderful season but it seems like Lacazette may be his Fernando Torres a talk that Nemanja Vidic <laughs> could never yeah. ever deal with Fernando Torres it was one of those weird things where he'd always either get sent off or end up getting booked or given away a penalty um, usually got on to win the game but it's, it seems like Victor Lindelof versus Lacazette could be the one that He's not so, you know, one he doesn't look forward to. I is quite it? like Bay as a player, though, as well. I think he's got all the attributes to be a decent centre-back, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, again, was not great in the first 34 minutes against PSG and obviously got taken off. Delo came on, the system looked a lot better when Delo was on. Um, again, that's probably a tweak of a system as well as, you know, an individual player. But he is a good player on his day. And it's about what, you know, which young centre-back for United sort of step up. So either you go down the line of signing a young centre-back or you're signing someone that's going to instantly step in like a Virgil van Dijk. And I think that's the question that Man United needs to answer for themselves. You've still got someone like Axel Tuinzebi who's been, a low, been away at Villa, I think he's injured at the moment or he's been injured recently, that could easily come in and be, be that good. Like, he's a wonderful player, but you've got to give them time. And I think that's the thing, as a young centre-back, it, it's all about playing and, and getting that exposure. We've seen what you know the effects of Victor Lindelof playing for a lot what it could do for another player. So his versus, you know, someone like a Bay coming back into form and then having to play, you know, get ahead of Chris Smalling now, who appears to be in the pecking order, you know, just above him. So mm. it's one of these really interesting things where it could be about just going out there and buying someone big. 0345 to get your views. If you're a United fan, I want to know whether you think two centre-backs would be enough and who goes if two new centre-backs are going to come in. Dan's on the phone. Evening, Dan. Hi, Jim. How are you? Very well, my friends. So, what are you saying? Who do you think? I mean, I think it's quite harsh on Lindelof and Bay, potentially, and not to mention Smalling and Jones, to have them singled out as the main problems behind Manchester United's lacklustre start to the season. 
yeah, to be honest, I, Lindelof's a cracking season. Um, so I, I, I admit the way I, I probably agree with Neville when, when he says we're doing his sign two centre backs, but I don't think Lindelof is is the issue here. I think, uh, well, for me, it's small, and I, I, I don't think he's, he's good at all. That's pretty. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't think he's, he's worthy of of a United uh, starting position. What is it about his general game that you, you don't think is just not got the quality that you look for at Old Trafford? He's not had the quality for a long time, um, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think with with these new players coming in, um, I think I think that he's, he's going to get pushed out, and I don't think they should have given him a new contract. Well, what do you think the reasons were behind the new contracts? We saw Smalling and Jones both sign these deals. Is that because? there is a future for them at the club or is it a case of building your assets and obviously if you've got players tied down to longer term deals the chances of selling them for a bit more cash increases well yeah there is that but obviously you know we've sold players recently and, and you know not got necessarily the money that we would have expected to so um, I, I don't want, I don't want to know if you did sign those two centre-backs and potentially a right-back, as Gary Neville suggests, does that put you in a position where you can challenge for the title or is there more problems personnel-wise to fix at United than just those two, three positions? Well, I think more needs to be done, definitely, but you know, it would, def- it would, it would be a, a good thing to, to do that and with the, with the coaching squad that they're getting in now and oh, they've, they've returned for you in there and hopefully he'll stay, so... You know, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm very positive. Top man, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate that. All right, cheers, Jim. Oh, three, four, five, triple one, seventy-six, twenty-five is the number. If you want to get involved in tonight's show, I'd love your views on who you think Manchester United should be getting in in the summer and whether those centre backs and right backs positions are the ones that need strengthening. Dave, can we say the bubble's burst now after the weekend's result <laughs> against Arsenal? Is that it? It's no, over. Absolutely. I played them at the weekend, though. Created some big, big chances. Outplayed them. them. But it, it doesn't matter. I've still, still got a smile on my play, face from last Wednesday. So it doesn't really matter. Which, we lost, we won. Whatever. Any result that on Sunday, I still would have been happy today as a Manchester United fan, considering the comeback in Paris. You know, the, the, were you not slightly worried by this whole thing in terms of you, you didn't play that well that day? And that's not an unfair comment. Yeah. Where, where, which PSG and like in general, like you which parts of the game? In, overall, one, it wasn't one, impressive performance. I mean, in two, general, two 0 down, broke records. I think you, you'd have to say that United in general, and I know the atmosphere under Solskjaer has been yeah, much improved, great. the performances have been better, but in general, going forward, United have been lucky, haven't they? 14 wins, two draws, <laughs> two defeats. That doesn't really stink of luck to me, story, that. Nine away wins out of ten. Yeah, but I think the performances aren't quite as swashbuckling as they were for you about a month ago. I think that's a fair comment. But it depends what you're saying with squash, squashbuckling. It's just more lively in terms of you definitely exceeding more chances now. Uh, and you, you play a different pose, I agree. But it doesn't... It, there are slight cracks appearing, in my opinion. You can see the softer chances. Than you Arsenal, were. right? What, what did Arsenal create? Penalty? The shot from outside the box. They had one more cutback to Ramsey and that was it. United on one hand that you think Luke Shaw created two chances Lukaku for Rashford Rashford for Lukaku you had the Lukaku one on one you had the the save from well not the save the goalkeeping from Leno that was very good it was a ball over the top to I think it was Lukaku United did really well and arguably should have won that game that game United's expected goals was for it out there was you know superior to Arsenal's hasn't it been lower than uh, average recently in terms it has of in previous games yeah. but then this is what I was saying so they did play better than Arsenal that day 
you know, you're looking at other games that are under Olga Solskjaer, you could say, like, for example, Tottenham, where United smashed Tottenham on the break, Tottenham had a few chances, yeah, but that was the game plan then. I know what you're saying about squash buckling, but that was a real counter-attacking squash buckling performance in a way, where United had, <laughs> didn't have much of the ball, but they broke really well. And I, it, it, it is interesting. You think the, the PSG game, United, the game management from the Diogo Delo substitution was fantastic. How United stayed in the game from like 50 I think it was like 58 minutes where Solskjaer switched to five at the back four in midfield one up front to just stay in the tie you think can PSG take a, score a goal there United have got to score two to stay in the tie with 10 minutes to go then throw on four you know make mm. it four attackers is smart how do you think they'll react to this defeat then do you think there'll be a, a bit of a moment a line in the sand kind of moment where that I mean in general the, the firsts are always important to any manager and I think that's a fair comment like the first time you you know lose a, a league game or whatever the first time in general it's always a, an interesting way to see how the team actually react I mean I suspect Oli will actually be quite calm when he'll well, do with the yeah, press but you look at the, the first defeat was in was against PSG we saw the second leg went there yeah that reaction was good you know that reaction was a lot longer as well because it was the Champions League so if you're thinking they played and then they had a two week gap and they played again and the reaction from the performance from the first leg to the second like vast improvements so it's, it's one of these things where you lose football games um, and you've got to like you're saying you just pat, you pat yourself down on you go you move on and yeah. you know whether it is fixing this problem of having Rashford, Pogba and Lukaku in the same team whether it is slightly changing certain other things I just don't think... I didn't feel like United played badly yesterday. They, they lost, yeah. They probably should have taken their chances again. Arsenal defended reasonably well in certain moments of the game. Granit Xhaka made a fine interception on a... I think Diogo, the low cutback. But they're small margins. I don't think... Yeah. It's not like as big as it was with Mourinho at the end of it. Where are you thinking, mm. how are we going to score here? As yeah. Steve says, though, it could be an important moment. It is an important moment for any manager, oh, that first loss. It's but Wolves. But second loss, though. First domestic loss. Yeah. yeah. Second loss overall. But this is the kind of time that Solskjaer has to step up and kind of earn his corn in a way, isn't it? Because mm. a lot of the press coverage of his reign has been a little bit disingenuous, I think. It's been... He's Jim, improved that the sounds like jealousy, mate. Come on, don't be like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Ollie loves it. The fans love it. Everyone loves it. But it's been very much, they've said, he's improved the atmosphere and they've kind of played down his tactical abilities and his ability to react to situations. And here against Arsenal, we saw him having to react to going a goal down. And how did he do that? But then at the same time, he did it against PSG. They were a goal down against PSG and they changed it multiple times in that game and they went on to win the game. Against Arsenal, yeah, they, they may have, they potentially should have started with a 4-3-3. I think when you see Arsenal's shape, them playing through at the back, go wide. That might have been the way. But he's saying that they combine well. Pogba combined really well on the left-hand side with Luke Shaw. Then you taken Diogo Dolo, did very well on the right. So it's one of these things where it was real fine margins that game. I don't, again, I wouldn't, don't think the feelings change. I don't think that you know people's minds about Solskjaer getting the job full time have mm. changed. So it's one. I just, it's one of the things you got to learn from it. I think that's the biggest thing. If, if you're not able to do the same thing and maybe not change it, or you know, however you perceive that to be, then there'd be an issue. But I think right now it's okay. Life's okay as a football fan, sporting Manchester United. You've defended Lukaku a lot recently, and he was he was getting criticised again yeah, at the weekend. The man not... just scored three braces in the row for the first time for Man United. Yeah, even since I will like admit that's a bit ridiculous. Five or something. <laughs> Come on, Jim. You're well, poking yeah, fire here, mate. Yeah, I'm not making these accusations. <laughs> okay, the okay. Was they were talking again about Lukaku's inability to perform well against the top six teams and here you are facing another top six team and he comes up short <laughs> the game away in the FA Cup at the Emirates Lukaku creates two of the goals both, both of them really good passes you're thinking that 
What's one, he done lately, Dave? <laughs> one, one, he hit the hit the hit the bar with his right foot. A little bit, you know, slightly unlucky. The, the Leno save on the one v one with his feet was unbelievable. Still didn't go in, did they? Though that's a world class save. But at the same time, strikers will score six games in. Sorry, six goals in three games. And then they might miss a chance, and then they go again. And that is the nature of football. Everyone doesn't have the crazy chance conversion as of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Mm. Like you take Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling will miss a load of chances, oh, but then he'll striker. get more chances, and then yeah. he'll score more chances. And that's the nature of a, of a forward in football that you will miss. But then you, you know you could you could say Fred hit the post, probably could have you know if that went that had gone in. Game's different. I think that's the sort of you know the small margins that United lost that game by. You know that the, the post is painted differently. It, you, you look at that Fred shot; it really comes off like the bang middle of the post, slightly to left, slightly to right. You know, the right so goes out, left goes in. Post, basically, but that's what I'm saying. Paint the, <laughs> paint the post more. Please. I think your feelings, Dave, sum up the United <laughs> fan base in We're all general happy. at the moment. You seem happy. Everyone seems like, oh, it's going to change. A United team <laughs> that have lost two top four rivals in the past, there would have been murder in the papers and on social media the next day. No one seems that fussed. Are you surprised by that? Or is it just this newfound enthusiasm and positivity that OGS has brought into the team? I think that's it. But also, you can already see that Jesse Lingard has already triggered Arsenal for the next 10 years combined. <laughs> You're thinking that all the Emery's at the wheel tweet that went up, that we've made, our, made it our dance floor or something like that. Like, Jesse Lingard did the moonwalk <laughs> and he's completely destroyed Arsenal book club. It's brilliant. Children. <laughs> the one thing we do need to talk about which probably wasn't quite as savoury was the Arsenal fan running on the mm. pitch and shoving Chris Smalling during the game. It happened, I haven't seen that, actually. Well, it happened, we must have seen the Jack Grealish mm, scenario yeah. in the Birmingham-Aston Villa game where the Birmingham fan ran on at the beginning of the game and punched Grealish to the floor. I mean, yeah. this is... Emotions run high in football, but it's just a ridiculous scenario where fans are attacking players, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's there's crazy. No, there's no defending it. You can't possibly defend it in any way. No. Do we need to look at a situation where it's not individuals being banned? Because the fella who punched Grealish has been given 14 weeks in prison. He has been banned Is that for actually happened? Yeah, it's, happened it's, today. It was wow. confirmed about an hour ago. Banned for life by Birmingham Football Club. But is there an element of self-policing here where the clubs themselves need to be punished whether it's a behind closed door game or I don't, I don't know but, what the scenario uh, is but it stewards, needs to stop and stop quickly I think, the thing is I in general uh, I think I'm I'm very free and I've, I've said this so rarely in my lifetime so I can't remember anything like the Greedy Simpson ever so sometimes you've got to think like, I think there's a culture of saying something has to be done as soon as something happens when I don't think it's a trend I think it's something that's happened very rarely like the stewards, uh, we've all been to football games, the stewards are like five metres apart, several out, mm. like, and if someone wants to get on the pitch, in general, they, they will get on the pitch. Like, they, they will, because you just can. Because all you've got to do is wait till the steward faces another way. So, I'm defending because my dad's a steward as well, it's <laughs> worth saying. <laughs> but I also, I think they've got a very hard job because they've got to look at all the crowd. As yeah. soon as they've turned their head left, they can just jump over and run off the fence and get on the pitch. And you can't, you can't stop them unless they have wall to wall stewards, which is what you see sometimes around like away ends or whatever. It's very hard for but them. But you don't want to see that in football. No, do you, you don't, no. Because it literally does obstruct views as well and everything, and it just it doesn't need to. Ha it doesn't happen enough for it to warrant that. Sometimes you yeah, probably have to take an incident in isolation. Definitely punish the club and act so there's a deterrent. And I think in general, if the club get deducted points, I would be behind that because I think that's the only way to get through to these people who are obviously that obsessed with football that they feel like they're going to war for their clubs. And it, to me, it's unhealthy. I mean, there's a great oh, Marcello uh, Bielsa quote today. Did you see it? Um, no. Bielsa, Leeds manager. He said, um, "The person who does the thing we saw yesterday expresses a serious." 
series of frustrations which are not necessarily linked to football because the more satisfied you have your personal life, the less you need to do this kind of act. I love that. Bielsa yeah. Confucius there. But mm. in general, I agree. It's like this guy obviously has issues. Like um, he takes football that seriously that he feels he needs to hit an opposition player. But I don't think it's normal. I don't think it is normal. I've never seen anything like that ever again, personally. How did you see it compared to the accusations or that were levelled at Sergio Aguero 12 months ago <sighs> during crazy. the Wigan game? That where frustrated me. There was a suggestion from the... Well, the suggestion was the FA <laughs> should ban Aguero for confronting a fan the, that the came onto the pitch. The guys spat at him as well. Like Aguero had every reason to chin him if he wanted to. As far as I concerned if a player uh, if a fans run on the pitch and they square up to a player they're asking for it you know like genuinely <laughs> they, they 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 don't know what the fans got and they, they are very like they are targets in general you know for abuse and god knows what so they they want to defend themselves and all Aguero did was push him away you know mm. that was it so the, the idea that uh, Aguero got any stick for that moment was ridiculous because the guy was right up in his face and spat on him you know like and to, to see that Aguero got nearly banned for that which was absolutely crazy you know and then and some people uh, it boggles the mind that it's, it's treated with such a consistency but well, you know do you know what Jack Grealish handled it perfectly by not reacting on the pitch <laughs> and then scoring a goal. Well, he was so, on the floor, wasn't he? So, yeah, not much of a reaction to do. Right, we're going to talk more about Manchester City at the moment. We're going to talk about Raheem Sterling. We're going to talk about Pep Guardiola and his future at City, or could that be a future in Italy? We're also going to talk briefly about the Schalke game. And if you fancy getting to see Manchester City take on Schalke in the Champions League tomorrow night, then we have a pair of tickets for you to win right now. All you need to do is tell me who the Schalke mascot is. What is the name of the Schalke mascot? I'm going to give you three options. Is it A, Erwin? Is it B, Dennis? Or is it C, Edwin? A, B or C? 87711, text your name and your number. Name and Not your name and your number. The name and your answer to 87711. Your name and your answer to 87711. We'll pick a winner at 6.40. So you have till 6.40 to enter. What's the name of the Schalke mascot? Is it A, Erwin, B, Dennis, C, Edwin? 87711. And we'll pick a winner and sending you to see Manchester City in the Champions League. We'll be right back in a minute. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello guys, it's Stephen here, back on the Manchester Football Social. I'm in the studio with Jim and Statman Dave. We're talking about Manchester City and Manchester United until 7 o'clock. If you want to text in and get involved, it's 87711. You can also ring in on 0345 717625. And you've got to do it because we're going to be talking about Raheem Sterling and whether he's a player of the year candidate. And you've got to look at his stats this season. 38 games, 17 goals, 15 assists. I think, if I'm right here, guys, he's... Uh, He's sixth in the uh, leading goal scorers and sixth in the assist goal scorers at the moment. A hat trick at the weekend. He's totally on fire. And it feels to me uh, like the public kind of move towards this play is shifting around at the moment. People are coming around to him because of how much stick he got. People are starting to actually warm to Sterling a little bit. And uh, I'm, as a City fan, it means great. But I want to know, like, do you think that like, Dave, he's got genuine play of the year potential? Right, Sterling. If City win the league, yeah. Too right. Or Aguero, I'd say, for Manchester City. I think there's been your two better players. Uh, from an attacking perspective, it's very, you know, it's very quite rare to see a centre half or a fullback to get Player of the Season. You're thinking Laporte's played very well this season, yeah. But Sterling's been the man. Sterling's been the man for a few seasons for City. It's not a new thing. This well, is that's something it. that, but in terms of Player of the Year outside of Man City, in terms of Player of the Year of the Premier League, is he the best in the Premier League at the moment? 
I personally don't think there's been like a like a, a real standout in the way that there were last year. No, I don't of, think there is. I think the Bruyne and um, Salah last season won a level like in general above everyone else, mm. and that's my personal opinion on that. Uh, whereas I think this season everyone's kind of been like you know excellent but not mm. at an incredible level uh, I think so he's more open this year than it ever was been Hazard's got a decent claim Salah once again mm. Van Dijk's probably got a massive shout because yeah. of the general support he's got in the, and I've seen lots of articles about Van Dijk recently at the moment but for me like Sterling um, it feels like there's a redemption arc trying to be fully complete here and I feel like um, he, he does deserve it but I feel like it could be genuinely quite a nice story and football loves narratives mm. so it, <laughs> it does doesn't it it feels mm. like it has a chance. The only thing for me that could uh, go against him is more just when the voting's done. I think it's done at like the end of March or something, isn't it? Mm. That's the problem. And then it should be done at the end of the season because the big impact is who carries their team to win the Premier League or a team that massively, you know, finishes, let's say they predicted to finish 20th and they finish 4th. You know, either or. Yeah. Now, I don't think you can you can pick it out there because there's so many important games that you've got. Like, look, we do it in in March, we vote in March, and then you know you've got all those games in April, we've got all the games in in May that make a massive impact. And I think recently there's been well, pre the the Salah stuff. You know, you saw teams that would do well in Europe that would affect whether they're player of the year. And you think yeah. this is Premier League player of the year? Yeah, absolutely crazy. And then you've got like his stats. I looked at it then since the start of last season, forty-two goals and twenty-two assists. That's phenomenal. That's like world-class numbers. If he's essentially averaging more or less a goal or assist every single game at the moment, like how can I don't understand? There is still like an element of people who just don't trust Sterling. You see it when you well, follow the teams on Twitter, and it's like I don't think they've seen the development that people in Manchester actually have done. Well, do you know what? This is completely where I'm coming from for this one because I look at those stats that Sterling has and he's going to be on 20-plus goals at the end of the season. He's easily in double-figures assist. I think it's just over 150 minutes per goal he's scoring. But somewhere in my head, I don't put him in that top bracket of player. And I don't know why. I think it's because of general the perception of him as someone who's really wasteful and like he, he just isn't the player he was two years ago and there is definitely um, there was a massive smear campaign on Sterling for a long long time like there, mm. there just was uh, he became like the boo boy and because of like his um, I guess how people perceived his performances with England which I still think were totally uh, harsh over during the World Cup but people basically made him the scapegoat people's main kind of um, exposure I think he had to really good I think it was one of the yeah, best well that's the, the thing because he didn't finish but I, I finished on the goals but either way people's exposure to Sterling is usually based on international football because they don't tend to watch City mm. every week you know so they just see Sterling and presume the guy who gets a lot of stick and has a hard time for England sometimes is the same guy that plays for Manchester City but people don't realise it's not just his goals and assists like Sterling he works tirelessly like his general intelligence for Manchester City is is honestly like the first name of the team sheet kind of quality at the moment for City and it's not like um, he's just this kind of system player I'm sorry I don't really buy into that at all people basically said he's just he's only what he is because of you know Guardiola it's just it's an element obviously he's trained him but the things he does for this team like he takes it on himself these days to actually go and win his games and he never used to have that and his mental confidence and his improvement in general of his self-belief look at the penalty for to win the Carabao Cup final there's no way 18 months ago he's going to take that and score he wouldn't be standing up for that uh, and at the moment he's sky high he's coming out he's having these great interviews in the press which shouldn't really matter but it shows in general he's maturing as, as an adult as a player as a person uh, and it, it's aligning with his performances on the pitch as well and weirdly I don't think he played that well in the first half of the weekend but obviously whatever was said to him came through and you know, a hat trick and uh, another game won from Ryan Sterling it's fantastic you talk about his interviews at the moment he gave a great interview yeah. in the New York Times this weekend just gone and one of the things I love about Raheem Sterling is the way he's been calling out the British press recently for their yeah. depictions of young black footballers and he made a brilliant 
assessment of saying the same scenarios just don't exist with white players in the paper. White players who drive fast cars or have attractive girlfriends aren't labelled as being blingy or being flashy, but that connotation gets put towards black footballers and black sportsmen and black celebrities, and it's absolutely bang on. So, 100% respect for what he's saying there. Uh, let's talk to Jake. He's on the phone. Evening, Jake. Hey, you right, guys. How you doing, man? You are okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. So, Raheem Sterling, is he your player of the year for City and for the Premier League as a whole? So, City is up there. There's, like they say, Aguero, Dino. It's it's hard for overall Premier League. It's, I think that's a close one. City is like Roten in March. I think Van Dijk might take it, but for me, it's got to be Sterling. Do you think he's the most important player in that Manchester City team at the moment? Because I think that relies on it not just being the individual impact of that person, but where the other strengths fall in that squad. Because that is a position where Sterling plays, that City are blessed with a number of players. Uh, yeah, but then that position, he can play on the left. We've seen him down the middle a few times this season. He's got that versatility where he can play anywhere across the front, and he puts a shift in. And at the moment... Um, because he's like, I just want to connect his stats. He's got 15 goals already this season. He finished the last year on 18. And compare that to his first season at City, he finished on six goals. So there's already been a leap of improvement. But just this Sterling, you saw like the first half against Watford, he didn't look, he didn't look switched on. Come out second half, got cutthroat, 30 minute hat trick. It's the stats are showing for him now. What do you think is the big difference in his change of like confidence and form over the past 24 months, mate? Um, a factor like backing him in press conferences always before we saw in the Amazon documentary when he dropped him when he subbed him after yeah. missing I think that's he's just been, been like he just defends him with like all the media stuff and said he doesn't have to worry about his football he's got the ability and it's just that confidence that you see and now you look like for Watson's a hatchet every time he didn't have the ball he was making him run into the box yeah. and when Serge was holding it up the first play we'd look to to lay it off to was Sterling and I think like in the league with De Bruyne and Silver when they put forward balls through it's always Sterling it's always that right hand side The one really impressive I think and you called this earliest D is that he's not the wasteful player he once was and his shots on target is something like 66% this season so far for a player that had been labelled as being wasteful that's an incredible improvement he's gone away and he's gone this is what's being criticised this is a hole in my game and this is what I need to work on hasn't he? He has yeah because um, you see like at Watford he missed this, a few chances in the first half and he looked he could look he looked visibly annoyed with himself getting angry then he went over to Pep to do a quick chat but it's like it's all like as soon as he netted that first one at Watford you could tell it was coming and that was the break he needed for the game and then he just got he got cut loose got cut loose then Jake thank you very much for coming on appreciate that mate 0345 one seventy six twenty five. if you want to get involved eight double seven double one on the text I'm going to risk being told I've got a Manchester United agenda now because <laughs> I want to talk about Pep Guardiola but I want to bring up the the, the issue that was kicked off on Friday essentially with Pep Guardiola's future at the club being called into question rumours were that him and his representatives were having 
conversations with mm. Juventus no about way. a possible move at the end of the season. Oh, Jim, is this also to Zinedine Zidane, who was potentially going to be Juve boss at the end of the year, moving to Real Madrid now, signing a contract <laughs> as of six <laughs> o'clock this afternoon? This is true. Steve, what do you make of this? <laughs> so, I, is um, Pep off the Juventus? I laughed when I read this, um, and thankfully Pep's justified that because I made a, a video on my YouTube channel uh, going in saying there's no chance this is going to happen, and Pep thankfully has come out and really defended. I saw Pep saw my video and thought, I'll help <laughs> the out, you know, and but basically his reaction has been like, um, it's been phenomenal. It, it feels so good uh, as a Man City fan to have this underlying kind of loyalty from like, he's just, he's come out basically everything he could have. And I think his camp's even leaking the idea that he might stay for another four years now. I'm seeing 10 years of Pep but now, this dynasty. Isn't and like, that exactly what you would do but if you're he, trying to cover basically, your tracks? You've got to consider come out and say the club you yeah. love, you'll mm, be there behind I agree, your contract, Jim. you'll be there yeah, for four years. His, his circumstances are different in terms of people said, look, oh, he left, you know, buying or whatever. You've got to be, bear in mind, essentially, he's not a Manchester City for Manchester City. And I think that's a fair thing to say. He's that yes. because of Cheeky Brigenstein and Ferran Soriano. You've essentially created this perfect uh, little kind of environment for him. And um, but that environment, them. but that environment you're talking about relies on him being able to spend money and him being mm. able to bring in players. <laughs> that FFP in- issue is going to come up well, soon. Let's, you know forget, let's forget FFP because that probably isn't going to be an issue. But the transfer irregularities, <laughs> the bringing ooh, in of one. youth players, probably is going to be an issue. And it is reasonably well, likely there will be a transfer ban. A la Chelsea. I- for a window and, and to be honest given the, the players we bought given the money we spent I think we'd be alright in that instance either way Guardiola is not the kind of person to walk out on a contract he hasn't done it yet he's a man of honour I really genuinely believe that and he wouldn't do it to some of his best friends in football who gave him this chance because essentially he w- that would be a massive slap in the face uh, for, to his friends and you got you see how principled Guardiola is in general you see his stubbornness in the face of the you know not wearing the yellow ribbon you know in terms of political things yeah. he's so stubborn Guardiola and there's absolutely no way that he'd walk out on his friends Maybe after five years, unless years. he felt he'd been let down. Mm. No, by his I'm, fans I'm sorry, made, his, his friends that had made the decision that resulted. <laughs> yeah, and they're not, no, you know, they can't buy that, any like... players because they signed eight <laughs> underage players from international <laughs> places. Every <laughs> team in the world does for what it's worth. They're all bad. Well, they're all dodgy. I'm just saying, Manchester City got caught. Oh well, the, you, the, your club will be next. They'll all be next. Just trust me, right? We are squeaky clean. We do it by the. We do it by the. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Uh, but in general, no, there's, there's no chance. And I actually can see. Guardiola's happy he's just happy mm. it's perfect for him the setup was perfect uh, he's essentially free as well of all the politics that he was at Bayern and Barcelona people forget that when he was at Barcelona we had they had two uh, feuding presidents essentially using him as the person who had to deal with all the nonsense he was sat in press conferences answering questions about stuff to a boardroom level and he got so bored and so tired of that uh, he had like um he had basically he just wanted to talk about football and concentrate on it and managed to see he doesn't have to deal with anything other than just mm. football but and he, Stephen doesn't have Lionel Messi at City not won the Champions League yet goes over to Turin Cristiano Ronaldo an ageing Cristiano Ronaldo who could not stand I know Pep Guardiola is very good with players that are ageing or need a can you imagine him telling Cristiano he's not on free kicks can you imagine that actually happening but Guardiola's not crazy he knows I mean, he's good at free kicks and he'll be on free kicks. He's not good at free kicks. He's terrible at him. There is no it's doubt that one day Guardiola will go to Italy, though. He's yeah. done Germany. But I think, he's I think done he's, Spain. He might do the I think he'll do... He's, well, his contract runs out in two more seasons, so that'll take him to five. I think mm. he'll do six to see. And I think after that, we can we can wave off in a glorious sunshine having won uh, right. five Premier Leagues, and that'll be great. We'll put that to bed for now. <laughs> European <laughs> Cups, though. Upsetting times. We'll try not to upset the City fans anymore <laughs> right at the moment. Uh, let's talk about... Oh, oh no, wait, Jim, you didn't ask me about player of the year because I would have said oh, I'll go to Solskjaer. Anyway, move on. <laughs> well, he was wearing the bib against PSG. Exactly, he wanted to get on the pitch and score some goals, didn't he? Um, very quickly, Steve, 
Ilke Gondawin was talking about his future yes. at the club in his press conference earlier today, and he made noises that suggest he suggested he felt his future wasn't at the club. He kind of said, basically, we've not decided anything yet. I might leave at the end of the season, paraphrasing yeah, massively he, he what he is say saying. That. And also, there was a quote, essentially, that contrasted against that from Guardiola. He said he wants to see players that want to show they want to be here. So, essentially, they're mm. both doing that polite, kind of like uh, a couple hour, you know, they're at a dinner meal, but they're both angry at each other, but talking through the side of the mouth. <laughs> essentially, they're, they're both doing that, smiling. And Gundogan, to me, is in a massive uh, position of strength. He's like 28 now, I think. Um, he's, he's coming back in to form again which is the first time in a while so I wish he wouldn't mm. be so confident with it but I uh, I, can, I don't blame him really essentially um, he I think he's just City will know that to replace Gundogan is going to cost 50 million and the fact that we're trying to place Fernandinho at the moment uh, it, we don't want to replace Gundogan as well so I think what we'll end up doing is probably just cave in and give him an extra 50 grand a week or something like that because that's a hell of a lot cheaper than trying to replace Gundogan as an actual player because uh, Gundogan is very useful I don't think he's like at the level of some of the other players in the squad but I'm not one of those City fans who can't see his quality he's obviously a good player uh, he's keeping his options very open and to me um, if he's not signed a contract by the summer, he will go. I think we'll sell him because um, I don't think, think we'll transfer like ban. The Bruyne are getting older. <laughs> David Silva getting older. Well, Pat Guardiola getting older. A player, getting older. Everyone's getting, getting older. older. A player that did look like he was determined to stay at the club at the weekend, and we'll mention this before we move on, was Morris. He seemed to have a great game. He was good. Yeah, he was. He was really good. He got a good assist as well. Um, and Morris is a good footballer. <laughs> unsurprisingly, he actually knows what he's doing. There. He's just um, is he getting older or younger, Dave? <laughs> um, he's probably staying about. Oh, right. Who's, who's getting younger? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Ryan um, Sterling. Yeah. Getting younger. Yes, um, getting better. Uh, but in general, Mara's, I thought he was good. Uh, I, he's, I it was nice to see it. It was genuinely nice because I forgot to say he got an assist as well, and I got some stick at the weekend for that because I forgot to mention he got an assist in a video. But um, yeah, unbelievable, you know, yeah, exactly, terrible. <laughs> uh, but in general, I'm really happy for Morris. I thought he was a good player. I thought um, he he put in a good shift as well. Stuff like that goes under, it d- doesn't get noticed in general. Yeah. He worked really hard. His link up play was uh, he, pl- he played he was like much he more to in prove sync. A point. Yeah, much more in sync with the team that he has been for a while. I actually think in general he probably helped that Bernardo was uh, linking up with him because Bernardo links up a lot better with him uh, than Kevin De Bruyne does. Uh, he just does for some reason. I think De Bruyne is a bit like in match arms as well when he was playing so um, good on him. Do you think this is a motivating thing from Guardiola because he pretty much did the Mourinho thing and hung him out to dry and said look you're not playing yeah, no, well enough and it's, I, you've got a reaction. Yeah no Guardiola is um, definitely not adverse to putting people on the sidelines to get a reaction out of them if they don't deserve it but now he's got his chances and I actually think he's playing quite well so like um if that's the intention it's working but um, Guardiola will happily drop people like Delphs I know he's been injured but he's also been essentially largely left aside since he got a silly red card you know and like Guardiola will make points out of players if needs be the lines are now closed if you wanted to win tickets to go to Manchester City tomorrow night where oh. is another chance to win if you head to our social media account at MCR Footy Social you can win on there but if you're texting stop texting now we'll pick a winner in a moment plus we'll give a little preview on tomorrow night's game in the Champions League Manchester City versus Schalke and I've got a little challenge for Dave and Steve as well we're going to play a game of Guess the mascot. <laughs> and we're going to do that next on the Manchester City Football Social. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. 
This is the Manchester Football Social. Your chance to talk about your team. Still time to get involved. You've got about five minutes or so. 0345 7625 is the number. Going to talk about the Schalke game in just a moment. But first, we gave you the chance to win a pair of tickets to that Schalke game in the Champions League tomorrow night. City looking to secure a place in the next round. I asked you a question. And that question was, what is the name of Schalke's mascot? Was it Erwin, Dennis or Edwin? And Joe's on the line. Evening, Joe. Hi. What are you saying then? Who is it? What's the Schalke's name? Erwin, Dennis or Edwin? It's Erwin. It is Erwin. Well done. You've got a pair of tickets to go to the Champions League tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Did you know that? Or was that a bit of swift Googling on your phone to find the answer? Oh, I'm working from home at the moment, so it's a bit of swift Googling, I'm afraid. All right, then I've got a supplementary question. If you've Googled it, you must have seen a picture of Erwin. What is Erwin? Oh, do you know what? I did, but I was, I'm, I'm a housing officer and I was doing visits, planning, so I've not really, I've just done it quick. <laughs> well, do you know I what? Even if you'd seen a picture, you'd have no idea, because we've been talking about it in the studio. It looks like a worm with ears. It looks like a womble. It's weird. It's a very strange image. It reminds me of a post from Pat oh, makes of a worm. It looks like some kind of a, like, um, the, one of those little Careful. chipmunk things. <laughs> Essentially. monkey. When you Google it, it, there's an answer from people asking on Google, and apparently okay. it says, Charles' mascot is named Owen has been known to be something of a scamp. That's what it says. <laughs> something of a scamp. There we go. Joe. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Have a good one. Oh, Hope you- thank you so Cheers. much. Thank Cheers. you very much for thank playing. You. If you want a pair of tickets for tomorrow night's game as well, you can win a pair via our Twitter account at MCR Footy Social. There is a picture there of a well-known German player. If you can identify that player, you can win a pair of tickets to go to the game tomorrow night, which is decent, which will be for City passage to the next round, Steve? It should be, really. It should be, a, like, Schalke, uh, famous last words, but Schalke are genuinely <laughs> terrible at the moment. They're 14th in the Bundesliga, only four points of relegation. Mm. They've lost the last three games 4-2, 4-0 and 3-0. So they're going to win 3-1 tomorrow, mm. essentially. Premier League so old like, boys, Ben Taleb and Manchester yeah. City old boy, Nastasic going to yeah. come back and, and score Manchester a winner. And Manchester old boy, Rabi Matondo as well. Oh, there oh, is a suggestion nice. that so, Schalke might power a B team. Yeah, well, apparently, yeah, Tedesco is under a lot of pressure, essentially, to because obviously a relegation for a club as Schalke side would be absolutely mm. catastrophic mm. and they, they are genuinely close to the relegation zone. Um, I don't think they'll power a B team. I think in general, though, they will... Uh, I still think they'll sit deep. I think the generals will just kind of sit deep and see see what happens. I can't see them coming out and attacking Man City because that's the one thing they're very bad at at the moment. Um, I'm confident for tomorrow. Is it one of those scenarios where complacency is the biggest problem that City might face? I think in general, the fact that we've got this game and then we've got the quarterfinal the weekend and then a nice big gap, I think basically Pep will be like, right, two more games, then you've got essentially little breaks, let's go for it. Uh, I think we'll be okay. I think we will be. There will be a full preview on that game tomorrow night. It's the Manchester City football social tomorrow. Steve will be back for that one alongside... Adam and Sam talking about the game tomorrow night as well. But as we're talking about mascots, I thought we'd play a game of Guess the Mascot. I love mascots. Right, we were talking about Erwin, who's the Schalke mascot. So I thought we'd play a game of, I'll tell you the mascot, you can tell me which club it's for. All right? Oh, go on then. And we'll see who does best out of this one. There's no prizes up for grabs. Only pride available. I don't do pride. Oh, I take pride very seriously. (laughs) So your first mascot... For which club is Boiler Man, the anthropomorphic combi boiler, the mascot? 
Northampton. Northampton is incorrect. Yeah. Burton Albion. It's incorrect. West Bromwich Albion. He was introduced introduced last year alongside Baggy Bird, which is an amazing <laughs> name for a, a that sounds like someone from the Manchester Music scene twenty years ago. <laughs> Baggy Bird. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it was due to a sponsorship deal with Ideal Boilers, and hence why Boiler wow. Man was introduced. No, it was the Midlands. Yeah. Scanny Bunny. Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe. Who wins correct. that though, Jim? Who, who? You can both have a point for that one. What? It's worth knowing that there was a campaign from fans a couple of years ago to replace Scunny Bunny. They wanted oh. to replace him with the Iron Lady instead. R wow. Really interesting. Next up, George the Glory Gorilla. Where's George the Glory <laughs> Gorilla? The mascot for. I'll give oh. you a clue. It's not a UK team. Okay. Um, is it on this continent? It is not on this continent. I didn't feel it would be for some reason. That's why I asked that. Um, it's, it's over in America, isn't it? It is in Australia oh, okay. for Perth Glory. Oh, uh, he's a know. giant orange and purple gorilla, and he is spectacular. Is he real? <laughs> I hope he is. <laughs> no. Uh, right, next one. Super Cucumber. Super, Who's cu super Cucumber <laughs> the mascot for? <laughs> I don't know whoever they are support them now. <laughs> La Liga's Legans, he is the mascot for. Super he's a cucumber. giant cucumber and he's nicknamed right, for the I'm, club are known as the Cucumber Growers. I'm, I'm Googling him. Right, one him. final one. We can do one more of these. Sammy the Shrimp. Who is oh, Sammy Grimsby. the Shrimp? Grimsby? Not Grimsby. Oh, yeah, Gillingham. Not Gillingham Because it's got to be a coastal team. So I thought it'd be the Mariners at Grimsby. So not them. Um, Southend United is oh, the answer. He is, as you'd expect, he is a giant shrimp. And the really weird thing about Sammy the Shrimp is that he's pink, which means he's a cooked shrimp. Oh, and he's a football mascot, which is pretty weird as well. Whilst really. I was researching this, <laughs> I found out as well that... You get paid 30 quid to be Sammy the Shrimp because they looked for a new Sammy recently. 30 quid was the amount you got paid for a match that? day well, for ma and two free tickets to go and see Southend United. Well, you're at the game, so they're <laughs> kind of irrelevant really, aren't they? Well, you meant to clone yourself and then come back in afterwards. <laughs> well, if you, if, you, if you don't want the tickets, you have to wait outside. Oh, you can, you can outside, sell them, maybe. can you, essentially? So make so. a bit of money for your fee maybe. there. Right, yeah. we've got two minutes left. I want to know who your favourite mascots is as we're talking about mascots. Steve, who are you going for? What's I, your favourite I was chatting time? to you about this before and I'm a big fan of Godosaurus. I Something about an anthropomorphic <laughs> dinosaur, like walking about, just looking solemn, as if like, oh, it's just fantastic. He always got a sadness in his eyes as well. Which I love about. <laughs> there's this great video online where he's at a parade and he's got his own personal hatchback and he's sat out mm. and he's got his basically, he's, he's just head popping out the sunroof and he's giving it everything. I, I love that. I would love to be a mascot. City, if you're listening, let me let me have a go because I would genuinely enjoy it. <laughs> I've been a mascot. Have you? No I've way. I've been a mascot uh. for Port Vale. <laughs> and I was dressed as a guide dog alongside Boomer the dog, I think the mascot is at Port Vale, and Boomer the dog prepared for that game like a professional athlete. <laughs> he had his own dressing room, he did stretches, he got in the zone beforehand, wow. he gave me tips on how to be a good mascot. Impressive. What were the it, tips? It I can't remember now, it was a long time ago. But be it was, fun. It was an do, impressive Do you think they should experience. bring in like a mascot race at the FA Cup final? So they do it in 2020 cricket. Yeah. They have a, uh, well, there seasonal... is a mascot race, isn't there? Is that in football as well? Yeah, there's a football mascot race. Need to make race. more about it, Jim. I think yeah. Get it in the FA Cup final half time. I also want yeah. to see more of um, away mascots at home grounds because they don't really tend to come as much. No. I think they should get there and it should be mascot based halftime entertainment always and it should be just like mm, I races, agree, I agree. Like the death matches kind of yeah, forget players on the pitch forget 
ticket prices. Forget overplayed salaries. We've just sorted all the problems mm, with football. Easy. Mascot-based entertainment <laughs> in the half-time. It's a weighty issue, and it's a good way to finish the Manchester Football Social for a Monday. Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. Dave, thank you very much. Try me on time next time. <laughs> <laughs> you get told off on air, great. Make sure you get the podcast, Manchester Football Social. If you missed any of today's show, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts, including our special city and United shows. And we'll see you tomorrow night. It's the City Show tomorrow, previewing the Schalke game. See you soon. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Cheers, gents. Thank you very much for today's podcast. Dave, we didn't get a chance to ask you about your favourite mascot. Fred the Red. Simple, uh, right? That's an easy answer. Simple, he, effective. He actually is a bit naff, though, isn't he? No, he's not. He is. Best mascot around. Does anyone actually like their own mascot? No, I'm, to be fair. Yeah, Fred the Red. I'm not a Moonchester <laughs> a Moonbeam fan. What is their West Ham mascot? <laughs> West Ham mascot. A bubble. Two. We have Bubbles the Bear who's a cute bear, which is clearly made just to sell cuddly toys in the club shop. Yes. And we also have Hammerhead, who was forged oh, oh yeah. when a bolt of lightning struck the Thames Ironworks. Isn't that a fall? That's something I don't know. <laughs> I've actually got a mascot story. I'm going to embarrass my mum, but she, okay. hopefully she needs to hear this, but Brand she won't goal. do. But I'm going to try it. Essentially, years ago, I went to... Um, went to a game with my dad and whatever, and we jokingly, ironically, got like the you know the, the autograph of Man- Moon Moonbeam Moonchester. Right. And I, t- I told my mum like Do jokingly they have autographs? that yeah, well he, what he does, he signs it as a star and moon. And I told him, oh, I've got this player's autograph messing about. And she went into work the next day and got, oh, they met one of the players. He's got big ears, like massive <laughs> eyes. And they're like, what? He went, no, he's like, his autograph was like a star and a moon. They're like, that's Moonchester, the Oscar. <laughs> Amazing. She fell for it. Um, so, your mum, if you're listening, ha, it was great. Right. Amazing. Boys, thank you very much. We'll be back next Monday with this show. And, of course, every single weekday, there is another Manchester Football Social. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you never miss a show. Give us a nice five-star review as well. See you soon.